taking a look at the life of Moses. And Moses, we, we left our hero last weekend at the burning bush. He's listening to God. And I heard from many of you uh, through uh, email and stuff that uh, you had multiple burning bush moments this week. In fact, I heard from people before I even left the building. They had gone to the earlier services and said, hey, I just had one with our, our, our waitress. I invited her to come to church. I felt like God was pressing me in to do that. And, and so I hope that you had those moments. I know we did this week because we had uh, 50 plus kids at a, a camp and a burning bush moments for them as they're contemplating decisions and and uh, getting ready. And, and uh, many of them have crossed the line of faith to to accept Jesus and and uh, heard from uh, just great great reports from that this weekend we got or this week we got uh, middle school camp and all that stuff so a lot of stuff going on and here at this burning bush moment we you know Moses is instructed by God to take off his shoes because he is standing on holy ground it's a holy place right and God has clued us in that that's holy we can't declare something holy God declares this holy ground. And he takes off his shoes and uh, listens to God at that moment. Now, the word holy first appears in Genesis in regards to a day. God had created the earth, right, in six days. And on the seventh day, he rests and declares it a holy day. This is a holy... Now, again, it's my contention is oftentimes what God calls holy, we kind of go, really? It's just a day. Is, that, is it really that important? In fact, a lot of things that God calls holy, we're like, really? Is it that important? So and he calls the, the in fact, it, in the, the seventh day, of, the day of rest, it, in fact, it made it into the top 10 list. Remember the Sabbath and keep it what? Free, no, so you can go to the lake. No, it's like, no, we're supposed to keep it holy, which means, hey, I'm going to carve out some time in my busy life. In my life that's filled with lots of stuff and work and play, that I'm going to carve a little bit of time out in my day on the seventh day to just take, it, take some time to rest and, and recreate and also to, to connect with God. And that's why many of you are here today, because you said, I'm going to keep this holy. If this is holy for God, it's got to be holy for me. If it's holy for him, it's holy for me. And we just make that connection. There's other things that God thinks are holy. Check this out, Leviticus 27. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. We talk about giving a tenth of our income, and that's a holy amount of money, right? Holy moly, like, whoa, okay. And, but that's not, it really means that I'm going to carve out some money in my, right, that I get. And he says, this is a tenth. So I'm going to, and whoa. And again, we kind of go, really, is it that big a deal to God? Well, it seems like it. He called it holy, which means set apart or different. In fact, I have to set apart that money or it just goes away. And there's lots of reasons why he declares that holy. But, uh, but he, he did. Check this out also. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. And we're like, really? That's important to God? In fact, we even call it what? Holy matrimony. 
It's set apart. This is a different relationship than the other relationships that I've had. It's a, in fact, the sexual relationship here in a marriage is seen as holy. I'm like, he's, that, is that serious? Yeah. First Peter chapter 1 says this, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Oh, great. In everything that I do? My money and sex, now everything. Why? Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. You're set apart. It's diff- it, this is different than, right? And many of us to- kind of get that because we're like, well, this is who I was. And this is who I am now. I, I used to be this way, but I'm this way. I, 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 it's, it's different. It's holier not holier than thou it's just holy because god is holy how holy is god well isaiah tried to describe it in verse one of chapter six of the book of isaiah it was in the year king uzziah died that i saw the lord he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple attending him were mighty seraphim each with having six wings With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. It's three holies. It's not just one or two. It's three, and this is how holy God is. He's unlike anybody else. So when he says to Moses, take off your shoes here, we're on holy ground. And Moses couldn't even look at him. Because of his holiness. So he says to Moses, I need you to go to Egypt. I've heard the prayers of my people. Now's the time to act. You're my man for the job. I'm calling you. And Moses said, who am I that I should go? I don't want to go back to the place of my worst failure. I'm a fugitive still, kind of wanted in that area. And every Hebrew there hates my guts because my daddy killed their babies. I don't want to go. I don't. Would you want to go back to your biggest failure? Places where you messed up? Talk to the people there? That's why we avoid like a class reunion. Oh, yeah. You're a Christian? Really? Okay, well, sure. Okay. Huh. You've changed. So here's Moses going back to class reunion. But Moses taps out. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And the burning bush is still burning and God is still talking. So the burning, Moses has tried to put the burning bush out by saying, I can't, I don't want to, I can't, I don't want to, call, right? I don't want to. And the bush is still burning and God is still talking. Exodus chapter 4. Here we go. Moses protested again. By the way, he, again, think that through. He is protesting to God through a burning bush. Again, I think it's fascinating to me that Moses, who is writing this by, he, he pens this book, you, that he would have made himself look better. Right? I mean, if I'm writing my little biography here and God is speaking to me, I'd go, yes, I will do it. Right? I, would, I wouldn't go, I don't want to do it. 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 
So Moses, again, I love the fact that in the Bible that it, op, it, it almost always portrays the hero as a human, not superhuman. He's, the hero is a human who doesn't want to do some stuff. So here we go. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? Which is a real, it's a real, right? That's real. What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? That, again, that's real. Moses, you might be making this stuff up. You might be smoking some funny stuff. Oh, we don't know. Did you have a bad dream, some bad pizza? Yeah, did, sure, sure the Lord appeared to you. Sure he did. Yeah, Moses. <laughs> Whatever. Have you ever had any, like maybe some friends who you've tried to share your faith with or maybe talk to them about God and they went like, I just don't believe it. I think the Bible's a fairy tale. I think those are made up stories. I, I don't, how, do, how, how do you even know he's real? How do you even know it? And what do you say at that moment? Well, I mean, Moses is facing the dilemma. Like they may just say, I don't believe you, Moses. Sure. Bush, burning, whatever. Happens all the time. The Lord asked him, what's in your hand? Well, a shepherd's staff. Captain Obvious. You know what it is. Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and turned into a snake. And Moses jumped back once again. Uh, in fact, many of the translations says that Moses ran. Moses is scared of a snake. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, I hate snakes. Kind of in that Indiana Jones world. Snakes. Moses runs from that. The Lord told him, reach out and grab his tail. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> like, what? Might as well uh, just pick it up. So Moses reached out and grabbed it. First time he obeyed the Lord in a while. It turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him, and they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. And Moses put his hand inside the cloak. And when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back in your cloak. So Moses put his hand back in. And when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. And the Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they'll be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn into blood on the ground. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I, I'm not good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I, I get tongue-tied and my words get all tangled. And the Lord asked Moses, who, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Or hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go! He's a little fed up. Now go! Right? How many times? What? Now go! I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. And here is to me, this one clocked me right here. 
right? Then the Lord became angry with Moses. Have you ever made enough excuses with God? Do you think he really, you pushed him to the limit? Or he's like, now, it doesn't get Moses out of the deal, right? He still has to go. But I don't ever want to get the Lord so angry with me because I told him no so many times. No, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. I, I'm not capable. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too what, uh, busy. I'm, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough energy. I can't. I can't. I can't. I mean, how many times do we have to tell God no before he starts getting super angry at and I don't want to get there. And I don't want you to get there either. Well, how far is that? I don't think you should find out. Don't get there. Don't get to, uh, I'm going to take it up to the line with God so much so that he gets so mad. I don't, know. I don't want to do that. But Moses, again, please, with the Lord, please send anyone else. All right. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be uh, with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. And Moses had a lot of excuses. Well, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe me? We've all been in that spot where we've tried to share our faith with people and they just don't believe. And what did God tell Moses then? Well, you got a staff. Take that and throw it on the ground. Use what you have. Just use what you have. Well, I don't have much. Well, just use what you have. I use it to move sheep around and protect them. That's all I know. Well, throw that on the ground. It became a snake. Something in the hand of God becomes miraculous. When God gets involved in our life, what do you have to do to have God finally get involved with your life? Well, I don't have much. I really don't have much to offer God. Well, what do you have? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have much. By the way, God is not asking you to give what you don't have. He will never ask you to give what you don't have. He only asks you to give what you do have. Because sometimes I hear people like, well, I wish I had money. I'd give more than. I'd like to give what they have. Well, sure. You don't have that, though. Yeah, but I'd give it. I totally would. No, just give what you got. What do you have? Well, I have a personality. All right, then let's use that. Is it a good personality? Well, not necessarily. If you have a good personality, you can use that for God. You know what you can do for God in that moment? Be a greeter. Now, if you don't have a good personality, do something else. Do something else. Please, please, please. Now, you can, you can learn to like people. I've learned to like people. I don't like most people. I don't. I'm an introvert. I, I'm very comfortable with a fishing pole. I'm happy there. That's great. People? In fact, I, I rode in a car with my wife for 14 hours. I didn't even have to talk to her. She read the whole time. It was great. We were both happy. So yesterday she got, she's like, do you want to listen to music? Not really. You don't want to listen to music? Not really. Well, let's listen to music. 
Okay. On Pandora, there is a like yacht listening thing that a friend of hers told her about. And so we listened to 10 hours of yacht music. I don't even know what that is. Like it's, it's 1970s obscure songs. And I knew all of them. It was, it was super fun. Like, and then I'd be like, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? You know, it's like, I knew all, you know, like, the only group I recognized was America. But anyway, if you have a good person, try to find, where am I at? Um, you, here, here's why I say it's important. Here's why having a great personality is important to the church. People make up their minds about coming back to our church. We know this for a fact. The statistics tell us within the first few minutes of entering to the building. It's called first impressions. If we make a bad first impression, it doesn't matter what I do. It does not matter. And by the way, I will hit it out of the park. I'm like, you get me? Yeah, hit softball. Boom, right? Bang. And, uh, but if our greeters weren't greeting or were hap- weren't happy about greeting or, were, you know, like, it's over there, you know, whatever, um, that it messes everything up. By the way, you can learn to like people. I have. I, I do. I like people now. I like being around them for a little while. About an hour. <laughs> but you have something. You have, by the way, here, here's what you have. You have your story. Nobody else has your story. You have your own story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is a man who was, had been blind from birth. So he'd never been able to see it, never able to see anything. And everybody in town knew him as the blind guy, right? And so he uh, made money by begging at the temple. And, and, you know, so religious people would help him out. And so everybody knew this guy. And uh, Jesus comes along and heals him. And people got massively mad at Jesus because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, which is holy, which you're not supposed to work. But hey, this is still a good thing. So Jesus heals them. They're really mad at Jesus. And uh, they bring in the blind guy who's no longer blind. They bring him in and uh, question him because they want to find out if Jesus is actually from God or from the devil. Isn't that interesting? Let's find out if Jesus is actually from from God or the devil. We're not sure. We think he's from the devil because he healed on the Sabbath. Ha! Huh. But check this out. Uh, they, so they bring in the blind guy. He says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I know this. I was blind. Now I can see. He was just using his story to try to convince people that Jesus was from God. How did he heal you? Look, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him. You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We follow the commandments. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't, right through the burning bush, we know that. How do they know that? I don't know how they know that, but but we know God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where this man comes from. Huh, well, that's very strange. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. So here's this blind guy teaching the religious people, right? 
But he's ready to hear those who worship and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has ever been able to open the blind, the eyes of someone who's born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner. You are the worst of the worst. No wonder you were blind from birth. You were born with sin. Are you trying to teach us? And they throw him out of the synagogue. I once was blind, now I see. He was just using what he had. I had been blind. And you have that story too. Here's who I was. Here's who I am. I once was this way. Now I'm here. I'm no better right, than you, but, I, but I, I, was, I, I, was, I was lost and now I'm found. You just tell your story. And if they don't believe your story, again, I, 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 I've been there. They may not. I always wanted a really good story. You know, like I'd hear a guy, when I was growing up in the church in 1970, there was a lot of people coming out of the, the culture and drug abuse and that kind of stuff. And they'd have awesome testimonies. And mine was, uh, my dad's a pastor, so... I went to church and became a Christian. Thank you very much. Because that is not compelling. I, I wanted to like, dude, I was totally wasted. And I was at a Grateful Dead concert. And I, I saw Jesus right up there. And uh, <laughs> right, that's way better than I, uh, I just grew up a Christian. And uh, way better, right? Now, my story is my story. And your story, don't make it up, right? Just tell your story. This is who I am. A lot of people relate to your story. So Moses gets to the point where God's anger is massive, right? And the burning bush didn't burn up, but God's anger certainly did. So God says, finally, I'm going to send your brother, Aaron. You're still going to have to go. I have to go? Yes, you have to go. Because you're going to work through Aaron. We're going to get this done. But I'll let Aaron go with you, you big baby. That's not in the text, but I think that's what it is. You big baby. Maybe you've made enough excuses over the years, some lame excuses. I'm not good enough. I did too many bad stuff. I'm too tired. I can't. I wish, but I can't. And you think that just by saying that over and over again, that God will get somebody else to do the job. Let somebody else do that. Find somebody else, God. Now, God is never going to ask you to do something that with His presence with you, that you can get the job done. And again, we talked about that last week, and that when He says, I will be with you. I will be, I'm going to go with you. Oh, I'm with you. And again, we tend to forget that He's with us. In fact, I love the fact that he says, I'm going to give you the words to say. I have been in time. There's been times when I've had conversations with people that I was in over my head. I had no idea what I was doing. And yet words came out that I was like, where did that come from? And I think, I think that was God speaking through me. And it doesn't happen all the time. But there was moments when I was recalling scriptures or recalling instances. And it just was there. And you probably have had them too when you talked with your friend and you all of a sudden you shared some stuff like, where did that come from? I had forgotten completely about that. I forgot about that moment. I forgot. Oh yeah, God just speaking through you, the Holy Spirit using you at that very moment. I hope that you have a burning bush moment 
where you sense God asking you to do something, in fact, even telling you to do something, and that you'd, and this would happen. You would no longer come up with a lame excuse, but you would say yes. You would say yes. God is calling you all the time, and the time is short, and He has heard the cry of the people in Omaha, in Fremont and Millard, throughout Nebraska, and all over the world. Let's pray. Perhaps, God, you would in your great mercy use us. It sure does my heart good, Lord. There's times when I see people doing things that I thought, boy, they'd never do that. And they'd never be on a stage or talking with people or sharing their testimony or singing a song. Even though they got talent, even though they know how to do it, like, they finally took that step and are being used. Teaching a, a class or going on a trip and uh, sharing their faith. There's some people going on a middle school retreat this week. I just want to pray for the adult sponsors that are going. That they'll have that moment in which they are talking with a middle school kid. And they're going to be in over their head. But you will just speak through them this week. That kid who's lost or scared or lonely or super angry. Disconnected. That there will just be a moment in time where they hear, you should go talk to him. You should go talk to him. You should go talk to him. And they take that moment to obey. It might be this week at our work or a phone conversation with a friend we haven't seen for years. Give us the words to speak this week. In Christ we pray.